Hopefully you have been blessed this morning by the words of the songs that we have sung this morning. Uh, so thankful for Brother Trey and, and what he does behind the scenes. And not just in choir practice and things, but just in the songs that we sing or, or telling a story. And it is a beautiful story to be told. And so I'm very thankful for that. Take your copy of God's Word this morning and open to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And if all goes according to plan, next week we will be in the chapter that many of you have probably been waiting on, the love chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So hopefully all will go according to plan this morning. I want to begin... This morning, not reading from 1 Corinthians. I want to begin this morning by reading from the Gospel of John. And so if you'll just bear with me for just a few seconds. Listen to this. In there in Jesus' high priestly prayer, we read this in John chapter 17, verse 20 through 23. He says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who also who believe in me through their word. So he's not asking, he's not praying for just the disciples, he's praying for you. For those who believe in Christ, he's praying for you as well. That they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me. Let that sit on your heart for just a second. Before Jesus Christ died, he prayed for you, literally prayed for you. Not just the disciples, you. And he prayed that you would have unity with one another so that, he says twice, that the world may know God the Father sent the Son. Brothers and sisters, before Jesus went to Calvary, he prayed to the Father that there would be unity within the church. He prayed that God would be glorified in himself, that God would... Uh, sanctify the disciples, sanctify us. He prayed that God would keep us from the evil one, but he also prayed for you and me to have unity with one another so that the world may believe, so that the world may know the gospel and see the gospel and hear the gospel. Unity within the church is a powerful gospel witness. It rises above politics. It rises above philosophy and it rises above even the closest of bonds that are in the world, blood and friendship. It rises above all of that. And unity within the church proclaims something far greater that this world cannot find apart from Jesus Christ. Unity within the church is a powerful gospel witness. And according to George MacDonald, division has done more to hide Christ from the view of men than all the infidelities of the world. Division hinders the gospel witness. 
And so Paul understood the power of unity. He understood the the chaos of division. He understood the the dangers and the damage of of dysfunction and dividing over over things. And so here in our sermon today, the body of Christ, as I've entitled it, in our scripture passage, the Apostle Paul will encourage and he will exhort unity within the local body, within the faith family. And what we find here will be a lesson on ecclesiology or a lesson on the church. You are going to see this morning some wonderful truths concerning the the church of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning with the big idea being that the spiritual people are unified in their diversity. We are unified no matter what color we look like. We can be unified no matter what politician we voted for or what opinions we have on things in this world. We can be unified no matter what spiritual gifts God has given you and God has given me. And this unity that we have is so great that people will come to know Jesus Christ because we are united in Christ. And so there are four things that I want you to see this morning from our passage. I want you to see one body, one bond. I want you to see one builder and one benefit. So, so one body, one bond, one builder, and one benefit this morning. And so if you will, join me as we read, beginning in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. Paul writes, he says, For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by the one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members of each one of them in the body just as he desired. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become much more presentable. Whereas our body, which were our, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all members are rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, various kinds of tongues. And all are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have the gifts of healing, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts. And may God bless 
the reading and preaching of his word this morning. Notice the first heading this morning, one body. It, you, would, you would certainly not be paying attention if you cannot see what Paul is doing here, that Paul mentions this word uh, one body over and over again and the many parts, and he's wanting to make a comparison of the church to the human body. And so there's no doubt that Paul would be amazed this morning to discover, if he was here today, to, to discover and learn what we have learned on the human body. Paul, in his day, only needed to take a glance at his own body to see the, the, the miracle that it is, the wonder that it is, to see the, the comparison. You know, he was able to make this comparison with the church. The human body consists of fingers and toes and eyes and ears. And it consists of hair and, and teeth and, and, and you've got a heart and lungs, all, all these different things. So, so Paul understood you know, the basic human body just of his day and how all the, the, the members would work together in unison for the body to function day to day. But technology and science have revealed even more about the wonder of the human body. For example... It's said that messages from our brain travel along uh, nerves up to 200 miles an hour. Some of you probably at 400, but that's okay. You'll get that joke later, but anyways. And so the body also, the little fingers contribute, it says your human little finger contributes about 50% of your hand strength. Interesting, never knew that. It is said that in an adult, 25% of the bones are in their feet. For an adult human, just taking one step uses up to 200 muscles. The brain contains 86 billion nerve cells joined by 100 trillion connections. And this is more than the number of stars in the Milky Way galaxy. Brothers and sisters, technology has revealed a lot about the human body and the miracle that it is. But as fascinating as the human body is, as fascinating as all these little parts coming together and working for, the fact, for us to be able to function as, as humans, Paul makes an even greater uh, connection about the many parts being one, and he refers to the church. Now, I want you to pay very close attention for just a few moments here to verse 12. Because notice what he says, for even as the body is one and yet has many members and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. Do not miss that. He says, so also is Christ. This is interesting. The term here, Christ, is actually in reference to the church. The church not only represents Christ, but the church is Christ. And there's I would love to chase a rabbit hole this morning, chase a rabbit, but I'm not going to do that. There's, a, there's just some really beautiful things here on what he's trying to say. But let's just kind of hit the, the top level here, the surface level. He is saying that the church is the manifestation of Christ, and it is the, the, the manifestation of Christ's uh, ministry in the world while Christ is gone. You may remember that in 1 First Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 17, that Paul was talking about sexual immorality. And how it was wrong for a Christian to be involved with prostitutes. Because when they would go to with prostitutes and join themselves to the prostitute, they also joined Christ with them. Why? Because you are Christ, the church. You are Christ. He makes this connection. We are in Christ and Christ is in us. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 23, and God put all things under Christ's feet and he gave him as head over all things of the church, which is his body. The church is the body of Christ. 
Paul says in Colossians 1.24, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, filling up for what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Colossians 1.24, In other words, Christ who suffered, died, and then rose and then ascended to heaven, his body is still suffering afflictions. The church. The church still suffers, it is persecuted, it is afflicted, it goes through tribulations. And it is just, and the Bible looks at it, God looks at it, as though the body of Christ itself is being afflicted. We are Christ. The ministry of the church is the ministry of Christ. And so when we are saved, a unison takes form. Christ is in me. And you are in Christ. We see this in the high priestly prayer of Christ. And so therefore, beloved, when Christ ascended to heaven, the body of Christ has remained to continue his physical ministry. First Baptist Church, our faith family, is the physical and tangible ministry of Jesus Christ. How you treat one another in this world, how you treat other people, you are basically saying that's how Christ would treat those individuals. Did you love them? Did you care for them? Did you preach the gospel to them? Did you feed the poor and the hungry? Did you help those who needed to be helped? If not, you are saying that Jesus Christ has done none of that to you. Do you not remember what Jesus said? That what you do to the least of these you you have done for me? The church is Christ. And the world should view it that way. Christ views it that way. Whatever the church does, it is what Christ is doing to the world. So here, beloved, we find a wonderful truth that Paul is saying. That despite the diversity within the church, despite the skin colors, and despite the, the spiritual gifts that you have, despite the ages, and despite the experiences, and despite all of the things that, that we have that would bring division to us, beloved, Paul is saying there is a basic unity within the church that though we are different, we are are one and we are functioning with a common mission what is the mission to be christ on earth if we see you are the tangible physical ministry of the body of christ on this earth and so therefore the church with its many members carrying out the many ministries of jesus christ we are one every member should embrace their role Take, for example, verse 15. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less part of the body. Which is amazing when we read that 25% of the bones in a man's body is, or, or human body is in his foot. It's amazing how important the foot is. But here the foot looks to the hand and says, I am not as important of you. I am not like you, therefore I am not part of the body. No, you are part of the body. You funct- because of you, the body can function as a whole to represent Christ in this world. And so therefore, FBC, we are unified no matter if your foot, a little finger, an ear, whether your gift is encouragement or mercy or your gift is to preach or your gift is to help, no matter what your gift is, no matter what color, we are functioning as one body representing the ministry of Jesus And so therefore we are unified today in a common mission that we are to preach Christ 
Is that not what the physical body of Jesus did? It preached. He preached to the world. Did he not make disciples? Did he not feed the poor? Did he not care for the poor and the hungry and those who were in need of hell? Did he not show mercy to those who were in need of mercy? Yes. And all of the ministry of Jesus that we read about in the Gospels is to be fulfilled as one unit right here in this local church. But not only are we one body, we are also one bond. Notice in verse 13, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free. We were all made to drink of one spirit. Now, notice that this Holy Spirit distributes, we know this already, that it distributes many spiritual gifts for many ministries and many different effects. But now we find that though it all comes from one spirit, we are also baptized, the many, into the one spirit. And so this is not water baptism, nor is this what many call the filling of the Holy Spirit, this idea that the Spirit comes upon us and we do these supernatural things and then it leaves and it comes back and does it again. Brothers and sisters, that is not not what this is. Believe me, if the Spirit can leave you and come back and then leave you and come back, then, then you lose your salvation. We understand the Spirit comes upon me and fills me and I'm baptized, not multiple times, but only one time and it resides within me. So that's, that's not what Paul is saying here. That is a misconception. No, this is the moment the Holy Spirit takes residence inside of us. Acts chapter 1 verse 5, John the Baptist, Jesus said, baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So this is that moment when we are saved and we are regenerated. We become united to Christ. We are in Him and He is in us. But notice that there is another union taking place here. So not only am I being baptized into Christ, you and I all together, the many are being baptized into the one. All are baptized. All drink of one spirit. So all who confess their sins and repent of their sins and believe upon Christ are all going into the same gate. We're all going into the same, we'll use this as a comparison, the same water, into the same spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4, 5 and 6 says, There is one body, one spirit, just as there are also called one, uh, called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who are over all and through all and in all. Beloved, there's a commonality within, within Christianity. There is but one God. There is but one faith. There is but one testimony. There is but one spirit. There is but one baptism. We are unified and bound together by this Christ, by this spirit. And here's the beauty of this. I am not only bound to you in this covenant of love and honor and commitment to one another, not just to you. I am bound to Christians all over the place. Christians in Africa are bound to me because we have one spirit. But, But it gets even greater than that. I am bound to Abraham, one spirit. I am bound to Paul, one spirit. There is a bond between me and the Apostle Paul because we have the same spirit. But, but it gets even better than that. There are people who have not yet been born who will be saved. God knows them by name. And you are bound to them. This bond crosses all barriers, all limits. Brothers and sisters, if this bond can cross history and time and, and, and the ocean itself... Why can't it cross the color of one's skin? 
Why can't it cross the differences in experiences and the differences in spiritual gifts? What's amazing is that we are bound together regardless of our background. Regardless of the skin color, regardless of the status that you hold or someone else holds, we are bound not even by time itself or your own home address. And you say, how can this be? What power? What power can unify man? Because you are watching the news and you see that the world is more divided. Not just the country, but the world is in complete, utter chaos and division. And you say, what hope of unity is there? How? What power could possibly bring men and women together again? And that power is found right in the local church. Notice he says, we drink all, we all drink from one spirit. I believe the reference there is meant to bring to mind the cup of the Lord at the Lord's table, which represents the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. And so when we would ask the question, what can truly bond us together, bind us together, and unify us, the answer is, is the, sacrifice, the sacrificial death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Here's the beauty, beloved. You and I all share the same testimony if you're saved today. We were sinners. We were bound for hell. But God, rich in mercy, sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. And through the work of Christ, we have come to faith and repentance. And now we have been saved and brought into the family of God. We have the same testimony. It may be different. It may have some diversity and some different varieties within it. But we got the same testimony. My testimony is the same as Abraham. My testimony is the same as the Apostle Paul. My testimony is the same as your and everyone else. No matter where they are, no matter what they look like, if they have come to Christ, we have all drank from the same cup that Jesus Jesus would give his life for us, that he would die for us as sinners. And I have drank the cup of salvation, that he took my punishment. He took your punishment. And so maybe there's one here this morning that says, I am bound to no man. I have not known this bond that you speak of. I am a sinner and I am lost in my sin. And I would love nothing more than to have community. I would love nothing more to have fellowship, to be bound to something that is greater than any kind of unity this world could think that it could work toward or find. I want to find that unity, that which is in Christ. I would encourage you this morning, beloved, come Come to Christ. Come to the one who died and gave his life. Not only to save you from hell. Not only to save you from his own judgment. But to unite you to a people of his own. The local church. What power can we find to find this kind of unity? It is in Christ. They say blood is thicker than water. Maybe so, but it is not thicker than spirit. It is not thicker than the Holy Spirit that comes in and resides in all of us and connects us. He says, whether Jew or Greek or whether slave or free, brothers and sisters, no matter the diversity, no matter any of these things, these different varieties, we are one. We can serve as one. We can love as one. We can worship as one. And here's one for you. We can forgive as one. 
We are dealing in a time today where forgiveness is very hard to come by within the local church. It is very hard to to this whole thing of sins that you didn't even commit, that other people in the past committed, and people can't forgive until you do something. No, in the church, the Spirit brings forgiveness to all who drink the cup. The question you must ask this morning is, is, are you one with the local church? If you are not connected to a local church, if you are not in a local church, embracing a local church, if you are not invested in the local church, you need to look under the hood and examine yourself and ask, why am I not connected to a local church? Because it's not a work of man. It is a work of the Spirit. And so if you are one who runs away from the local church, if you're one who shuns the local church, if you're one who can't dive into the local church, ask yourself why. Because that is a work of the Spirit. You should have a desire and a struggle to be invested in the local church because there is a a Spirit that is in you drawing you to each other. But thirdly, there is one builder. Look at verse 18 and verse 24. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. And look look at verse 24. He says, whereas more presentable members have no need of it, but God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked it. So twice here, Paul compares the sovereignty of God in creating the human body to creating the church body. Now, I love this because God could have made you any other way, but he made you according to his desire and his will and and, and so uh, the human body, our bodies, it is just amazing when you think you could have been a walking fish for all we know, but you're not. The human body is miraculous and glorious, and it is God who, has, who was the master architect that put all this together in his infinite wisdom and according to his desire and his will. The placement of feet, the placement of hand and brain and heart and lungs and that little part that I just got removed, the gallbladder. I, I, in his wisdom, there's a gallbladder. And in his wisdom, it can come out, praise God, if, it's not, if, if according to sin, it's not functioning correctly. But there's, there's a deeper level here. The spiritual body of Christ is also designed by God himself. And so God puts Christians and spiritual gifts where he desires them within the congregation. So if you thought that you, that, that you just ended up here by accident at First Baptist Church, if you thought that you came into this church today and that, or you were a member of this church today and it just, so just kind of happened in some weird way, beloved, it is not that way. God composed it that way. You are here because God desired you to be here. You are a member of this church or you are visiting this church because God himself has mixed it that way. Look at verse 24 again. That word composed. The Greek means to mix or to blend. Now, in their day, it would have been the mixture of wine and water. They would mix the drinks. And so it's almost like a bartender there. There's, there's a mixture of going on in the, you know, to get the drink just right. I like to also think of it of seasoning. You're going to go out to the, do a little barbecue and you're going to do a little cooking, you know, or whatever. You mix and compose the, the garlic and the onion and the salt and the pepper and the, and the tonies or whatever you use, you know. You, you're seasoning. You, 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 put, you put it all together. You do it just right. And, and, the, and the mixing and the composing brings forth this great flavor. And you get the flavor just the way where you want it and the way you like it. 
in the same way God has mixed the church. Meaning God places Christians with, with a variety of gifts and a variety of colors and a variety of experiences. Variety of ages. And he places them in the local church as he sees fit. As he desires. And then if you will, look at verse 27. He says, now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing and helps and administrations in various kinds of tongues. Or not, he says, all are not prophets, are they? All are not, all are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? So you get the point. Why is our church not all preachers? Why is the church not all apostles or or healers? We are we are the healers. First Baptist Church of healers, and then down the road you have First Baptist Church or or whatever church of speaking in tongues, and all the people speaking in tongues are down there. And then down the road you got the you got the church of interpretation, and they're all in there. Why? That, wouldn't that make sense? Because we're all the same. We, if we're all the same, then that would make sense. I mean, it would just be so much better if everyone in here was like me. Thank you, Kim. My, my wife was sitting there going, no, it wouldn't. Verse 19, if they were all one member, where would the body be? In other words, if everybody was like you in this church, where would the body be? If the body was nothing but hands, that would just be weird. If the body was nothing but a big brain, just lots or lots of brains, that would be even weirder. Could you imagine somebody walking in here with nothing but eyes? You would run out of here. That is out of a horror movie. But not only is it weird and not only is it just horrifying to think of, it doesn't function like a body. There, there's no functioning in that way. If, 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 if everybody is, has the gift of interpretation, then there's no tongues, there's no preaching, there's no, there, there, there's, no, there's no encouragement, there's no mercy coming from there. If everyone has preaching, where is the gift of helps? Where is the gift of, uh, of giving Brothers and sisters, I know that sometimes you think this church would be a whole lot better if everybody was just like you. If everybody thought like you, if everybody acted like you, if everybody just did what you thought. Everybody had the same opinion that you had. I know that at night you may go to bed, like me, and just think it would be a whole lot better if y'all were just like me. And Paul says, where would the body be? It would be not here, not functioning. And so in the same way, the church doesn't have, the church must have diversity in spiritual gifts and it must have a diversity in people and in experiences and functions because God is mixing them together. And so just in the point of application, let me say this. First, everyone here has value. The eye cannot say to you know, to the nose, I have no need of you. The hand cannot say to the foot, I have no need of you. Every one of you is valuable, not only to God, but you are valuable to us. You are valuable to me. 
I know that may not keep you up at night. But know that you are valuable to me. You are valuable to the person sitting next to you and the person behind you. And they are valuable to you. I know there are people in this church that we think that we could really do without. But the Bible says no. No. You can't do without them. They are valuable to us. And so you cannot leave. You cannot just go. If you think you can just leave and go to another church and it's not going to hurt me. This whole idea of I'm just going to go to another church. And it's just going to be okay. And it's not going to hurt. It's ridiculous and unbiblical because it is like cutting off your hand. It is like ripping out our heart because one that we have connected to and one that we love has left the body. You mean something to me. We are one. And two, don't ever think, don't ever undervalue yourself. You have purpose and you, you can bring something to the church. And thirdly, do not overvalue yourself and to think that, that somehow this church would cease to exist without you. That is a very scary place to be, beloved. But then finally, look at verse 31. He says, but earnestly desire the greater gifts. Now the word greater here signifies certain gifts are of greater benefit, of greater profit. And, you know, you know they, they benefit you more. And so Paul is saying here to be zealous for spiritual gifts. Now, here's the question. Is he saying you be zealous for spiritual gifts, you the individual? And so this is something that we've seen and we've heard and, and things even scholars will differ on. Uh, other famous preachers differ on this. Is God saying that you are to be zealous in the greater gifts? Well, I, I have two problems with that. So, so here's, here's what I find. One, Paul has just spent many, 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 many verses saying that all parts of the body are necessary and have honor and are valuable. So if you say, I need a greater gift than the one that I have, you're saying that your gift that you have is not honorable nor necessary. So I think it goes against what he's saying. Secondly, this is in, in, the, in the Greek here, this is in the plural form. So this is not a you, this is a, a y'all. Paul is not calling on you, the individual. Paul is calling on the y'all, the church, the us. He's saying to you that the church is to earnestly be zealous. We're to be zealous for greater gifts within the church. So in other words, we as a church are desiring and praying for and looking for all of these gifts, all of these mixtures of gifts, all these varieties of gifts for variety of ministries and variety of... We want all of them right here within our local church. William McDonald said it this way. He says, Paul is saying that as an assembly, they should desire to have in their midst a good selection of gifts that edify, that some are of greater benefit to the body than others. These are the ones that every local fellowship should ask the Lord to raise up in the assembly. So Paul is calling the local church to seek greater gifts, a variety of gifts within the assembly for our own benefit, for the edification of one another. And so therefore, a local church, us, FBC Jonesboro, we need to be striving for these gifts as a church. Not not always this gift for me, but this gift for the church. And so this takes us working together. This takes us praying with one another. This takes the hand and the foot working together. This takes the eyes and the nose working together. Seeking these gifts, a healthy, unified, loving 
church is a blessing not only to the community, but it is a blessing to you because all the resources are here. And so it becomes a benefit to each member in their walk of faith. And so I ask you this morning, are you seeking the benefit of others? Again, we, we've asked this question, I think, already before in the last couple of weeks. But, but I ask again, are you seeking the, to be invested in the benefit of others? Are you working with serving the whole church? Or are you just working to serve yourself? Because if you're working to serve just yourself, if this is just about you and not the church, then you're seeking something for you, and you're not seeking something for the benefit of all of us. Are you receiving the benefit of the local church? Are you receiving the benefit of other individuals in this church who are using their gifts? Are you using your gift to benefit them? This is possible, love, only when you're invested, when you're plugged into the local church. You've got to be plugged in. You've got to be here, number one. You've got to be attending the local church. You've got to be growing in your faith. You've got to be praying. You've got to be working with one another. You've got to be loving one another. You've got to have people in your home and be doing life together. You've got to be in the church. Not disconnected from the church. You don't take off your hand and put it up until you need it. We don't call people, you know, just when we need them. We, we do life together. So, so here we find there is a, a unity within the church because we have one benefit. We are all different and diverse and we are all seeking these greater gifts for the glory of the name of Christ and for the benefit of, of one another. In 2015... Ferrari lost its title as the world's most powerful brand. And it lost, lost it to a company that is very popular, but you know, Ferrari, right? Never thought this other company would take over. But in 2015, Lego replaced Ferrari as the world's most powerful brand. Children have taken over the world. <laughs> I think this is all nothing much but a ploy but for our children to, to basically hinder us and harm us with stepping on Legos. But anyways, I think this says a lot, though, about how popular they are. But let's just be real. Legos can be really fun for some people. But they are no fun if you don't connect them together. If the pieces are not connected, then they're nothing. They're worthless. Whether it's one Lego, whether one or two Legos, or whether it's 5,000 Legos. At minimum, they are nothing more than useless piece of plastic that is basically taking up space in your home. Or they are a death trap waiting on parents to walk out in the middle of the night and step on them. But if you connect them together, then you can have something very magnificent and wonderful. You say, I'm not sure about that. Ferrari, Legos, Ferrari, Legos. Let me just give you an idea. They have constructed a drivable Lego car. Maybe a Ferrari. This first drivable Lego car is made up of 500,000 pieces and it runs on air and reaches a max speed of 18 miles per hour. A Lego tower that was made of 45,000 Lego bricks. The Lego tower stands at 94 feet tall and is one of the biggest Lego creations till this day. And how about this one? If you are worried about the summer heat, And the prices of air conditioners, a fully functional Lego air conditioner complete with a compressor, valves, and a working fan. As fascinating, as fascinating as the human body is, and as fascinating as Lego creations are, they cannot compare 
to the church when it is connected to one another. It is made up of members from all over the world, from beginning of creation to the very end of creation, past, present, and future. And if you say, well, Brother Brian, I just don't know how spectacular that could be, then let me read to you what it will look like on the day when all the Lego pieces come together. In Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 and 10, when the entire, when all the members of the body, the big C, come together, listen to this. John writes, after I looked and beheld a great multitude that no one could number from every nation and from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and they cried out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Glory, glory, glory. That's what it's going to look like. All the many parts coming together as one, surrounding the throne of God. But until that day, God has given us a picture of that within the local church. You are a picture, beloved, of that, of the physical, tangible worship of God in the future and the physical, tangible ministry of Christ in the present. One body, one bond, one builder, one benefit. Do not let this world divide you. Do not let your differences divide you. If I can encourage you in anything today, it would be this. To unite with the local church. Unite with the local church. Serve the local church. And receive the benefit of the local church. Let's pray.